This is Pop Health Week on Healthcare Now Radio. I'm Greg Masters, Managing Director of Health Innovation Media and the producer co-host of the show. Joining me in the virtual studio is partner, co-founder, and principal co-host Fred Goldstein, President of Accountable Health, LLC. Pop Health Week engages industry leadership and stakeholder voices spanning payer, provider, patient, vendor, and regulatory communities in population health best practices and strategy. To create private label thought leadership content, connect with us via www.popupstudio.productions or follow and direct message me on Twitter at Greg Masters, MPH, and that's Greg with two G's. On today's episode, our guest is heart-centered and mission-driven John Casillas, founder and executive director of Global Rise. Global Rise is a nonprofit organization building digital food systems in sub-Saharan Africa, India, and Guatemala, providing a platform of hope for extremely poor communities to tackle disease, poverty, climate change, and other critical themes. Previously, John served as Global Health IT Fellow for the World Bank and Senior Vice President at HIMSS after unification of the Medical Banking Project and HIMSS. Do follow his work at Global Rise via www.globalrise.org. And with that introduction, Fred, over to you. Thanks so much, Greg. And John, welcome to Pop Health Week. Thanks much, Frank. I appreciate being here. Yeah, it's really great to get you on. As, as you know, we met at Hims. It was a fascinating session in the morning, and uh, you presented, and it really intrigued me, the work you're doing. So if you could start, just give a short introduction to your background, then we'll get into some of the cool stuff you're doing. Thanks. That was, that was a, uh, a good session for us. We were able to get our story out, which is, at that uh, point, you know, um, when I was talking to, to the Global Health Equity Symposium, I was trying to represent the Bukonzo people who we are serving now and um and their plight they're, they're, they're the, you know this is this is a segment of society that the world has truly forgotten and so uh that's sort of is is where we're where we're working today uh-huh and a little bit of your background the work you did before you started this yeah i you know i i i, I started a, a think tank called the medical banking project uh, which was focused on helping banks and healthcare technology groups to integrate their their their, their service offerings uh, more tighter. It led to policy discussions around HIPAA, which for which we were pretty much well known in the industry. Um, we were acquired by by uh, HIMSS, and uh, at that time, I was asked to form a relationship with the World Bank. Uh, the World Bank had taken a, a strong interest in medical banking, uh, created a fellowship, and then I uh, became a fellow uh, at the World Bank to help them with health information technology implementations in various developing countries. And that's really where I got the taste of, of, of being in a developing country, which you know, a lot of people might uh, run away from that. And, and certainly that was in my mind, but I, I felt... <laughs> Uh, I guess a tug, a tug, to to see if there was anything we can do in these uh, these poorest of the poor areas, and uh, that led to eventually to Global Rise. Right, and Global Rise 
is just fascinating is I heard what you were doing and how you were trying to solve a problem. And I thought, wow, this is really like a population health effort because you're going after some of the early, early determinants of people's health. You know, their ability to make a living, their ability to get food and eat appropriately and, and all of those things. And so why don't you talk a little bit about Global Rise and what you're doing with that? Yeah, and it's so amazing because, you know, we when I started Globalize, it was it was I was I joined a board of a nonprofit organization, and uh, they had uh, built four orphanages in India. So uh, they asked me to come over for a strategy meeting, and during the strategy meeting, uh, we nixed uh, bringing a nutritionist over because we we couldn't afford it, and I found that most orphanages in the world can't afford to to have a professional nutritionist look at the kids, so. That's where the, the nucleus of Globalize started. We Why not form a nonprofit that could help with orphanages with this? What we found, though, is that orphanages are, are increasingly seen as foreign silos of, of donations. And the people in the community get jealous of the orphans and the, and the orphanage staff. So it's important to integrate, integrate uh, the orphanage with the community. So we, we started to move from developing an orphanage food system, which uh, was very controllable, to a community nutrition program. And when you talk about community nutrition, now you're talking about all those things that you just talked about. And you know, for being a, a medical banking aficionado, if you will, uh, from the medical banking project, coming into that world was a completely, completely new thing for me. And uh, we, you know, we had to just look at, okay, how are we going to really, on a long-term basis, affect community nutrition? Uh-huh. And so I understand, as I understand, you ultimately were able to work and get some nutritionists into these centers. Is that right? Through shared work or something like that? Well, I actually reached out to a nutritionist when I started Globalize. And she became uh, part of, of the Globalized family. And then we have a global, uh, international nutritionist that sits on our board who has done community nutrition work already. She brought in a group from uh, University of Northern Florida that are focused on uh, the Center for Nutrition uh, and Food Security. And the president of this center um, became the president-elect of now she is the president-elect of, of eatright.org, which is the Academy uh, for Nutrition and Dietetics. She brought in a whole slew. Of, <laughs> I had a whole army of you know, nutritionists looking over our shoulder. And, and you know, nutrition is a very local thing. Uh, and, and, but, but having this sort of expert layer on top of what we were doing really helped to solidify our, our programming. So the thing that I brought to the table from my board, which mostly were technology experts, was innovation. So we were bringing innovation into this idea of how do we create a sustainable community nutrition program? Mm -hmm. um, and when you look at how the people live in the mountains, um, that's when your heart leaps. So, you know, there is no roads. There's a, there's a spider web of, of muddy paths. Uh, we're talking about in the mountains uh, of Southwest Uganda, where orphans are coming in that have been deserted through war, 
famine, through through disease, and and they they're coming in, they're they're living with 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 uh, extended families, maybe um, uh, in adobe huts. Uh, there's 5.6 children per household. Wow. They're smallholder farmers. They make less than a dollar ninety a day. We estimate that they make about 82 cents a day. They're mostly woman hold uh, woman led households. I would say about 80 uh, percent based mm-hmm. on our survey. We did a survey. We really to to understand the dynamics around eating and nutrition. We did a survey. The survey took us about two months to design with all these nutritionist helps. And uh, then we implemented it. <laughs> so the implementing of the survey is what really drove new ideas and thinking because we were walking what they were doing every day. We were experiencing what they were doing every day under the African sun, uh, going to a house using talk technology, you know, like a GPS uh to lock into the households, we we select a, we selected a, a statistically significant sampling uh-huh. uh, based on the formulas that they use in in the nutrition world, and it was comprised of one thousand six hundred and fifty uh, households altogether. I'm telling you, to to walk up and down those those hills was just it, it, it just took the life out of me. They live all the way on the top of the hill, right, in this adobe hut, and they have about an acre and a half each of land that they farm and they'll take whatever they can carry on their heads, on their arms, along with the baby on their back down to the market and, um, and sell and sell. And how far is that market? It's it, you know, there's one study that was done recently, 2019. We think it's, it's, it's too much, but they, they, they conclude that that it takes five and a half hours for the average person to walk to that market one way. Okay. So each day or when they're going to take food to the market to sell it, they load it up themselves on themselves and walk five and a half hours to then go and sell it and then have to walk back. We, we calculated three hours. Study Regardless, study. that's a junk of walking. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah and, and, and so you can see just based on mobility, how these guys are just locked. They're locked. They don't, they can only make so much selling one jackfruit, right? Which is the primary thing that they sell. Uh-huh. Um, and it's sold for about 3,000 Uganda shillings, which is about 80 cents. You know, what can you do? I mean, when you look at that environment, how they live, the fact that there's a 50% stunting rate in this area. And, you know, our mission is to eliminate stunting. We want, a, we want, we want a, a world of healthy kids. That's our vision. Uh-huh. And, and uh, we had gathered the community uh, through focus groups and through large gatherings, actually, to determine what is it that they felt would be the, the number one thing to address to move their community out of poverty. And it was unanimous. It was, it was nutrition mm-hmm. and, and, and trying to eliminate stunting. So, so with the community, we're thinking, okay, so how do we do this thing? <laughs> um, uh, at the end of the day, uh, we decided that we could overlay what they're doing and accelerate it using drones. Uh, Walmart has actually just announced doing uh, using drones to, to deliver produce. The, the company that's involved with that 
the person that's involved that is now helping us too with this 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 issue. So basically, the drones will pick up the food instead of the the, the woman walking. They'll come down to the market when the food is taken off the drone. The money automatically transacts so that they have it directly on their phone. Uh, there's no cash. It's completely cash free. It's 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 like an Uber in the sky. We did the economics on it. We think that we can, at a minimum, increase their their income to to two dollars, about two dollars and eighty cents a day, at a minimum, by accelerating product to market, and by reducing food waste. So what happens is they realize that it takes so long for them to sell one jackfruit, they'll just leave the jackfruit sitting on the tree. They won't be able to to carry them. So so there's waste that we're capturing. Yes, and I assume that even the folks where the market is could use more food too. So by doing this, you can help that group as well. There is a need for more food. There are there is a need to formalize the the marketing transaction uh-huh. in, in this in this platform. Uh, so so there there might be a a manufacturer that's producing jackfruit juice, you know, which is yeah. Really so um, we we can we can organize that and and implement it as a contract on the platform. Wow! But we also but but yeah, the first thing is just getting it to the market. Oh, absolutely! The very active, very active, and you're right. I mean, there's 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 a need for for many things. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think of all the spinoff benefits of of that. So you now have this um, woman who was taking this food for five hours, whatever, a day or eight hours, whatever it might have been, who now doesn't have to make that walk and can do stuff back in the community, whether it be with the kids, education, other work. It's got to have huge spinoffs, I would think. Exactly. So we used a system of systems approach. Uh-huh. Uh, and we were guided in this type of thinking through the Rockefeller Foundation. We actually entered our idea into a global uh, vision prize, food systems vision prize, and, be, and one semifinalist standing. Uh, there were 76 semifinalists from 1,320 global submissions. And this is from institutes, governments, from people that have been doing this for a long time. And we're just coming in kind of fresh to this. Um, they love the idea. The thing is, what we're doing is, is we're, we're connecting the platform to village training. And we're spending a lot of time right now on village training. So what is village training? Village training has three components. Family nutrition, okay? Um, soil fertility, which is very important in the mountains because of mm-hmm. climate change. And um, uh, financial planning. So we're... we're, we're uh, we're developing these modules and before people can actually take advantage of the platform so they don't have to walk, they have to do, go to village training. And the village training is, is uh, ongoing uh-huh. uh, in our design. So what we have to do is we, we have to link the village training to the platform so that people progressively are learning at the household level to eat better and to use money wisely and, and, and to, to tend their soil better. Um, and that's what we're, we're in the process of prototyping today. And if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Pop Health Week on Healthcare Now Radio. Our guest is John Casillas, founder and executive director of Global Rise, a nonprofit organization building digital food systems in sub-Saharan Africa, India, and Guatemala to tackle disease, poverty, climate change, and other critical themes. 
So it's like a comprehensive approach. It's not just, hey, we're going to fly these things back and forth and move your product. We're going to talk about what you're eating in the house and help you understand that. And we're going to help you with the financial issues that you'll now face and, and, and help you continue to be productive with your current gardens. So, I mean, it's really fascinating. And, you know, I was originally looking at this and saying it's great from a population health perspective and it's good to hear Walmart's doing it and others. And I hear we're going to have pharmacy delivered that way and stuff. But it's really looking at technology to solve a most fundamental problem and when you think of social determinants of health and the basic underlying issues that drive healthcare costs in the long term, so it's it's really neat to hear how you've sort of structured this, that actually does take the newest tech, with this education approach to solve, the the bases, the foundations we need to fix in order to improve overall health, longevity, and livelihood. I guess. Yeah, and 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 you know this in this area they they really could use it. Like I said. The people are forgotten by the world. Um, they have no one. I mean, no one helping them. And even uh, the government, the government that I spoke to the mayor and he's like, you know, John, this is such a pressing issue for us. The, the, the poor, the poorest of the poor. So Uganda is one of the top three poorest countries in the world. We're right at the corner of Uganda and DRC, which is the poorest country in the world. Okay. So, so now we're dealing with two of the poorest countries in the world in that population segment with a group that lives up in the mountains that have no roads. They don't, they don't have access to electricity. And, and the government's going, okay, they're scratching their heads. They thought at first, let's send uh, mules up there. And, and the mules uh, could help to carry it. I mean, it was a big research study that was done and, and they decided, okay, we're gonna send donkeys, okay? So, so um, they tried sending donkeys and people started hunting them for food. So they stopped the program. So I, I, have, I have an ongoing um, sort of email with, with, with people that are helping with the drones and, and it's called donkeys or drones. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And I know you also mentioned that they're in these mountains and right across the border, there's essentially a war going on. That's right. And, and, and so... In the same mountains, the Renjuri Mountains run 75 miles long, and they, they drain into Lake Albert, which, by the way, is the source of the Nile, the Nile River that goes all the way to Cairo, okay? So um, these bodies of water come together up there. It's also considered the Great Lakes of, of Africa, where we're at. Um, on the DR side of the Renjuri Mountains, in North Kivu Province, South Kivu Province, down to Goma, there are warring groups and and there's an estimate of over a hundred of these different warring groups that are fighting proxy battles and, and other types of war in the congo and um you know we we are not equipped to work in a war zone if if our place became a war zone we would have to leave fortunately except for one bad, pretty bad incident where the governor, I'm sorry, the president of Uganda uh, had to put down a, 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 a potential uprising in that community, Kasesi, killing 150 people. There's stability, there's stability there. So we're, we're with them, we stand with the, those people and every time we come, they, they realize that we're, we're a serious player for them. And we wanna take, so we call this whole thing a digital food system. It's anchored on, on good, nutrition and using uh, good uh, food as medicine 
-hmm. and, then, and then it moves into digital health tools. We actually are going to be implementing a health record uh, as part wow. of our program. So, so uh, there are there are digital health aspects about the digital food system that are very important, and that's why Hims, by the way, is uh, now supporting us. This on this mission, which is coming up starting in June, uh, we're going to be back in Africa. We're going to create a thing called Digital Health Week. Uh, so we'll be scoping it and and really laying the groundwork for in in 2023 having a health clinic as part of the uh, as part of this program. We we have we have a five to ten year program here. Uh, at the same time, we realize that it has to be replicable uh, to get grant funding and getting the grant funding and other other types of funding like having the government actually invest in this is important. Uh, so. We are scoping another area in India. Uh, mm -hmm. We actually, and, and our modus of operation is we start with an orphanage. <laughs> it's uh -huh. a very symbiotic wow. relationship. We help them with their orphanage food system, bring in professional nutrition expertise, which is the first thing that I, that I spoke about, which kind of generated the idea of Globalize, uh, making sure that there's good nutrition expertise in the orphanage. But then, then we learn the community so that we can evolve a digital food system in that community as well. Mm -hmm. So we wanna do that three times in, in Africa, in India, in Guatemala. These are red stunting zones. There's over 140 million stunted children in the world. Most of them are in, uh, in India. And, uh, and, then, and then we want governments to look at those as demonstration projects and then take digital food systems to other mountainous areas or other area, other geographical different geographically difficult areas in, in the world. Mm -hmm. So there's 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 300 million food insecure people living in the mountains today. Do you think the system, as you're structuring it, uh, like the one in Africa, could be self-sustaining at some point by moving enough food to do that versus having to uh, ultimately you got to get it kicked off and there's a lot of investment I'm sure. But is that something you see as possible or maybe some government support ongoing is what you're looking for? We, well, first of all, we, we wouldn't do it if we didn't think it was going to be sustainable because the direction mm -hmm. of the board is it must be sustainable. So looking at it, if you, if you take the economics, how many households are there, uh, what they farm, uh, we, in our survey, we looked at the top three, top five, actually top 10 things that they sell. Uh -huh. and we, we went to the market and priced out all those things. You put all the data together and, and you could have a, a $32 million economy in the mountains by implementing this system. Wow. So our, our, our pitch to the government is this is a great tax uh, revenue source. It's a great way to develop the area. Uh, when, by the way, Uganda placed number one in the MasterCard a Woman Entrepreneurship Index in the world. So their women are more entrepreneurial minded than any other place in the entire world, okay? Wow. Uh, so you give them a platform like this and let them grow. Let them form cooperatives to meet certain things. There's there's world-class safaris nearby that we could the drones could fly food to, to the safaris instead of the safaris constantly sending trucks out to the farmer's market. We could, we could fly in fresh food. Uh, there's, Uganda is the third largest refugee hosting country in the world. So there's refugee populations, which we create new markets. There's the lake, the Great Lakes aspect. We could create a whole new market with the fish there. So 
uh, we're just gonna let the you, you know we give the platform to them and then they're gonna take it the rest of the way and they're and and you know it's it's exciting it's an exciting thing to watch mm-hmm. if uh, we we want to prototype it and that's it we want the government to step in and say okay this is really working then let the government scale it that's right that's sort of our our, our plan right plant the seed and then let them continue to grow it exactly yeah. Excellent. No. And, you know, I think about that. And I know we had discussions before this call about, you know, rural United States, you know, you think of some of the places in the Mississippi Delta or, uh, you know, rural North Dakota, even places like that, where where things like this may be really unique ways to solve many of these problems we have. I also find it fascinating that you said we're going to build this digital health platform on top of this thing which is, you know, it's not just the money exchange, which I imagine was complicated enough. Um, but getting that digital health platform has got to be something that's going to be really interesting to see what it does and where it goes. Yeah, the, the population health aspect of it is very important, as you know. I mean, we have to be able to show results. Um, uh, if you're going to move a, a community from st- from 50% stunting to healthy, you, you need to have evidence, an evidence base to show that that's actually being done. And, and so the digital health component is, is critical. Mm-hmm. You know, there's another, another piece that we're, we, we, we have in our, in our design, which is sometimes when you see uh, children uh, that are severely acute malnourished or SAM, uh, they, may, they may need uh, um, uh, to go to the hospital. But, but uh, there was a study in, in India where they used uh, re- ready-to-use therapeutic foods, or RUTFs. Uh-huh. And, and we have this idea. So RUTFs can be designed in universities in Harvard or, or Cambridge or, or wherever, you know, where they've already studied the problematic and, and they can pack, they can create a... a, a Meal packs or something. Recipe. Yeah. Okay. Those recipes, by the way, can be sent digitally to oh. a 3D food printing la- uh, 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 lab in wow. Kasesi, Uganda. Okay, and we can 3D food print the food, the RUTFs, and then use drones to send them to the to the households. Oh, that's so fascinating. It's, it's just it's a concept. Uh, wow. You know, uh, well, it's been, you know, John, it's really been a pleasure getting you on to discuss this. I'd love to get you back on a while and hear how it's going and what you've been able to accomplish. It's fantastic. So thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And uh, uh, we'd, love, we'd love to follow up with you once we have some results. Fantastic. And back to you, Greg. And thank you, Fred. That is the last word on today's broadcast. I want to thank John Casillas, founder and executive director of Global Rise, for his time and insights today. Do follow his work at Global Rise via www.globalrise.org. And finally, if you're enjoying our work at Pop Health Week, please like the show on the podcast platform of your choice. Share with your colleagues and do consider subscribing to keep up with new episodes as they're posted. We stream live on Healthcare Now Radio weekdays at 5.30 a.m., 1.30 p.m. and 9.30 p.m. Eastern. And for you, Left Coasters, 2.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. Pacific. For Pop Health Week, my co-host Fred Goldstein, this is Greg Masters saying, please stay safe, everyone. Bye now. <music>